0: Welcome back to the Magic Story Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie. And I'm your other host, Harless. This is the podcast where we recap the fiction story of Magic the Gathering and add our own bits of flavor text as we go.
1: We are in season four, which follows the epic story of March of the Machine. We've been talking about the main stories of March of the Machine, but there's more. Today, we're diving into the first of the side stories that we'll be covering on the podcast as well.
0: During these side stories for March of the Machine, we'll be talking about what happened
1: on the planes in the multiverse that weren't mentioned in the main story. Join us as we head into the multiverse. already happened this season. We saw Phyrexia invade the entire multiverse in a calculated attack to try and take control of every single plane in the multiverse. We got to see the invasion start on Tawashi and move to Nukapina and Kaladesh. But in today's episode, we're going to talk about a plane we only got a glimpse into during the main story, and that is Arcavios, which is where the school of Strixhaven is. So Strixhaven is the most elite school in the multiverse.
0: And it's where magic users can go to learn more about magic.
1: The school features five colleges, which naturally coincide with the color pairs in magic. We have Lorehold, a school that focuses on history by actually speaking with ghosts of scholars and adventurers who came before them. Lorehold's colors are red and white. That is my
0: personal favorite college is Lorehold. And then we have Silverquill, where poets, writers, and more can wield the power of words. Silver Quill aligns with the magic colors black and white.
1: And my favorite school, personally, is Prismari, which is basically the art school of the plane. Students can, for example, learn to make grand spectacles out of their magic. And Prismari represents blue and red mana. And then
0: there's the math college Quandrix. That's where the math mages go to learn. They're represented by green and blue mana.
1: And finally, there's Witherbloom, where you can learn all about nature. This school's colors are black and green, and to be honest, it's where I imagine all the goth kids hang out, like with all the pests oh, totally. that are in this one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, there's a lot more to these colleges than this very high-level explanation, and I highly recommend going to mtgstory.com, locating the set Strixhaven, and giving that fiction some of your time. Strixhaven is on the plain of Arcavios
0: and features a sprawling campus, including dorms, sports teams, and really everything else you can think of for a college. But this one has magic, so it's a bit more impressive.
1: Okay, so remember during the main story when Elspeth was being transported in this like vision, dream state thing through various planes after she woke up from planes walking away with the Silex in order to, you know, save the multiverse? Well, one of the planes she saw during that dream was Arcadius, and she saw Liliana defending the students. Well, our story picks up sometime after that happened. We open with a group of students
0: who are lost beneath the school, and though we haven't met them on the podcast before,
1: they aren't brand new to Magic Story. This particular group of students consists of one student from each college, and each of these students were featured in the story of Strixhaven. We have Quintorius, who is one of my favorite characters from Strixhaven. Mine too. Oh, he's amazing. Quintorius is a loxodon, which means he's an elephant. And Quintorius, or Quint, as he is often called, is a student of Lorehold and impressively found a whole lost city during the story of Strixhaven. And Quint is joined by Killian,
0: who is an ink duelist in Silverquill. He's also the son of one of the deans of Strixhaven, so sort of like higher professors of the college are called deans. And Killian is an Asian male with his head shaved on the sides and the top of his hair is kind of like slicked back like all the cool kids. (laughs)
1: That's definitely a good way to describe Killian. I feel like he's a cool kid.
0: Well, that's Silver Quill, right? They're they're like the the poet slammers. They're like the cool kids doing all the poetry.
1: Now, there's also Rutha Squallhart. She is a mercurial artist from Prosmari, so she's an orc with this long, colorful hair, and her skin is tones of blue and red, which matches her college, which is very cool. And then there's Simone, who is a brilliant math mage in Quandrix, and. She
0: is a little bit younger than the other students, but she definitely holds her own. I mean, she is a prodigy and she wears these adorable round spectacle glasses and she's got like this cute kind of teal skirt that she wears. Um, I love Simone and and I love the the College of Quandrix too.
1: Now, finally, there's Dina, who is a dryad from Witherbloom. She's known for her sharp wit and dark sense of humor. So all these students are currently wandering through the tunnels below the school trying to find the Biblioplex. Now they're on a mission from Liliana to seek out an invocation or spell that could turn the tides of the Phyrexian invasion on
0: Archavius. And here's a quote from the story that brings us up to speed on what's happened on Archavius so far. Quint flapped his ears but held his tongue. He wanted desperately to believe that professors other than Liliana had escaped the Phyrexian stranglehold that there were others who hadn't been overtaken and forged into the Phyrexian intelligence. But in the dusty, lantern-lit darkness, with red sinew snaking across the walls and shadows stinking of black oil, hope was thin. The invasion had burned through Strixhaven's defenses. With their professors captured and completed, it was hard to believe that the school could repel their assault. The dormitories still stood, the students within protected by Professor Vess. And an army of undead. Yet she couldn't last forever.
1: So one of the very cool things about Lorehold students is that they can use their magic to bring the ghosts of former students, professors, and more back through that person's statue on campus. And just as they're losing hope that they're going to find their destination. I mean, they are lost. Quintorius comes upon one of these statues and brings a very dusty old statue's ghost back to ask where to go next, which is pretty clever of him. And it turns out they are exactly where they need to be. They are right below the Biblioplex. When the professor tells them that they're standing literally
0: right under the Biblioplex, they all look up in unison to see a branch of the invasion tree has punched through the ceiling of the tunnel. And they're going to need to ascend through that hole it made to get up to their destination. If they have any hope of finding this invocation...
1: But once the students make it past the branch and up to that biblioplex, it's another punch in the gut. The biblioplex is, well, it's, it's horrifying.
0: And here's a quote from the story. Red-edged portals squirmed overhead and bled lifeless, ruddy light. The invasion tree's branches cut through the air and walls alike, disrupting existing structures. And here was more red sinew, overrunning the furnishings and knotty columns hand-in-hand with porcelain plates segmented like spinal columns. It seemed to feed off of the very walls, dulling them, drinking in everything that gave the biblioplex luster, and spitting out black oil and more tendrils of itself. And don't forget that as far as the students know, all of their professors, other than Liliana, have been phyrexianized as well. So this is just one blow after the other. First, they lose their most precious library, like the bibli- the Biblioplex is where it all happens in Strixhaven. And then they have lost all their professors. So this is just like Strixhaven
1: is like going through some hardships right now. And I know this has to be particularly hard for Quintorius. Strixhaven is a really big deal for him. He's the son of a shepherd, and he never imagined he'd get to study at a place like Strixhaven with access to so many brilliant minds. He's here on scholarship after getting kicked out of military school, so he's not only aware of how good he has it here at Sturkshaven, he's also extremely grateful to just be here and have this opportunity at all. And the library, the center of learning, now fills to Quint like a tomb.
0: The students with Quint all fall into silence. They can't believe what has happened here. But there are also these motes floating through the air. So imagine this little ball of light that looks almost like dust. Quint touches one, and is filled with quiet and a sense of discovery. He looks around and sees more of these floating moats. He and the other students realize that these are traces
1: of the invocation they're looking for. Liliana had told them that the spell would feel new and that it would emit traces of itself. And these moats are those traces. So the students now know that they're on the right track, they're in the right spot, but the library is massive and they don't know where the moats will lead them. In between the students
0: and the spell could be innumerable Phyrexians, and they have no idea how long Liliana and her army of undead, remember, Liliana is a very powerful necromancer, can hold off the Phyrexians. So, onward they go.
1: As they approach a set of bookcases, they see a student, a dwarf from Lorehold, hiding on the top of one of the rows of books. The student whispers, Help me. And the whole Phyrexianized room ripples, like a pond at the sound, which I thought was very, very interestingly creepy.
0: So speaking of
1: creepy, in response to the sound, something coils
0: around the bookcase and grabs the dwarf's leg. The student screams and is pulled down a dark passage. So I'll read to you what Quintoria sees. A figure covered in steel bright feathers and razored talons. Where tongue and beak should be, there was instead a spreading web of metal filaments. So, more Phyrexia nightmares. Great. And Quint just screams out a no as the student is pulled away.
1: Remember how I mentioned earlier that he was actually expelled from a military school before coming to Strixhaven? Well, he was expelled essentially for being clumsy. He's known for it. And so, both Killian, the Silver cool student, and Rutha, the orc from Prismari, slap a hand over his mouth and pull him back. But it's too late. Oh, Quint. The room ripples again
0: with the sound of his shout. They've caught the attention of the creature now. And as the creature turns to them, they realize this Phyrexian used to be one of the deans of Strixhaven. It's Dean Shale, who is an owlin, which is a race of
1: owls. She's known as the Dean of Radiance. So I found an article by Fox Allison, Doug Beyer, and Ari Zerulnik called The Legends of Strixhaven, where we get a really beautiful description of Dean Shale that honestly kind of made my heart break when I read it, knowing she's been Correxianized now, and I'm going to read that to you. Dean Shale of Silverquill is a perennially optimistic Owlin with a powerful, dramatic speaking voice. She is a master of literature and often quotes obscure passages from famous texts. Her soul-filling advice and educated references have been known to make people literally glow. Shale believes that people are generally good and wishes to teach her students how to make the world a better place. Her and Dean Ambrose often clash over Silver Quill's curriculum, but the balance found between is far more eloquent than even their words can describe. And now Shale is just attacking students. That's so
0: heart-wrenching. So back in the story, Dean Shale turns their head around to look at the students, and they all just instinctively take off running. As they run, Dina the Dryad from Witherbloom, Killian, and Rutha attack Dean Shale, who is still pursuing them. When the students are almost at an atrium, where they have a chance of losing the Phyrexianized Dean, the former educator swoops down and grabs Killian with her talons.
1: Dina and Zamone, the math mage from Quandrix, grab Killian's feet, but the Dean just flies higher. And this next sentence really grossed me out, so I'm going to make you all listen to it too. The web of her mouth wormed over Killian's skull and tried to creep beneath his eyelids, squeezed shut with horror. And as she's like eating his head, basically, she asks him, where is your father? I mentioned earlier that his dad is one of the deans of Strixhaven, and it appears that the Borexians are looking for him, which means he may still be himself and uncompleted. So right here, Quint bravely speaks up. And tries to trick
0: the Phyrexian into giving him back Killian. He tells them that they don't know where Dean Ambrose, aka Killian's dad, is. And since they don't have the info, they
1: should just let Killian go. But Dean Shale is not buying it. She says, Well, I would have preferred the Elder Lou over his inferior progeny, you're mistaken. Killian isn't wasting my time. All are welcome in Phyrexia's better, unalloyed multiverse.
0: As this is happening, more Phyrexians are coming towards them. Then they hear Killian's dad, Dean Embrose, whisper, You've left yourself vulnerable, and jumps out of the shadows, launching an attack at the Phyrexianized Dean Shale, who spits Killian onto the floor. Uh, uh, gross. Also just yeah, gross gross <laughs> Yeah. Like
1: no other words. Just, just spits ew. him onto the floor. Ew, ew. yeah. Like and, and again, her mouth was like over his eyelids. Like, that's how far. It like, it's just. You can so see my gross face right like, now. Just, just imagine, like, uh, the slobber. Like, just uh, gross. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Dean Ambrose's attack lands. But then Killian shouts out, Father, behind you, as Dean Shale comes in for a counterattack. But they're in a library, and Dean Ambrose is one of the two deans of the College of Eloquence, Silverquill. So he's surrounded by what gives him power. And Natalie, can you read for us what happens next?
0: The bookcases rocked back, books flying open as the words and wisdom of a hundred thousand writers ripped free and flew to Ambrose's command. Arrows and darts pierced some of the attacking professors, shrouds of the stuff swarmed over others, choking them. Still more ink flashed upward to shred the filaments of Dean Shale's mouth. The one-time owlin fell. So that's one Phyrexian down. But remember, there are other Phyrexianized professors in the room. Killian tries to run into battle with his father, but his father insists he runs. He tells him that he will only distract his father here.
1: Dina, the dryad from Witherbloom, asks quite candidly, what makes Dean Imbrose think he can defeat the Phyrexians here when the other professors fell? And he has a very Professor of Silverquill response here, in my opinion. He says, his voice absolutely dripping with disdain, he says, I need not explain myself. And then he uses his ink magic to basically throw the kids through a safe place in what is now a storm raging around them of ink, and he tells them to go.
0: Killian, his son, is enraged at this. He wants to help his father. But Dina correctly points out that finding the invocation is what's most important here. He argues for a moment, but eventually Zemon grabs Killian's hand and tells him the truth he isn't seeing that his father is potentially sacrificing himself to give the students time to find and use the invocation. She then asks him, would he sacrifice himself if he didn't believe
1: you would succeed? This family is very sweet in this moment, so Killian's dad clearly has trust in his son to do what needs to be done. And Killian, finally relenting to Zimone and Dina's points, moves on with everyone else. Quint can't help but notice that there are little flashes of white magic coming from Killian's hands. He's flinging words of strength and support to his father.
0: The group of students continues following the moats through the biblioplex. Biblioplex is huge, by the way. And luckily, it seems like most of the Phyrexians here are down with Dean Ambrose fighting. Well, fortunately for the students. That is not fortunate, however, for Killian's father. They continue to search and locate moats. But Biblioplex is maze-like, and even Professor Liliana Vess hasn't explored it in its entirety.
1: So obviously these students certainly haven't either. But they make their way through the Biblioplex, avoiding Phyrexians when they come across them until finally they come to a part of the library that none of them have been to before. This new section forces them to split up, and unfortunately, Zimone gasps as she sees a former professor who now has scythes for limbs clinging to the side of a bookcase, which, of course, draws its attention.
0: Thinking fast, Quint sees a statue near the Phyrexian professor and magically brings its spirit back into the statue. The statue then screams, no talking in the library, which is one, very charming and two, very effective. The professor shrieks and goes towards the statue, leaving the students free to move on.
1: This was one of those moments, along with Killian being grabbed by Dean Shale earlier, where my heart was absolutely racing. Because so far in this storyline, we've lost so many planeswalkers to Phyrexia, and it feels like these students are up against such high stakes. I was holding my breath while I read that part, just hoping with all hope that Zamone was not done for.
0: Oh, same. Deeper
1: into the biblioplex
0: they go. It feels like there's no end to this place, and the students are starting to seem hopeless. Then the fear and fatigue start to melt from Quint. The light is stronger here, and it seems to block out the Phyrexian presence. Quint thinks to himself here, almost there.
1: They continue on until they reach a circular platform surrounded by a moat, like M-O-A-T, not M-O-T-E, like we've been talking about. And at the center of this platform is a bright light that is defying the Phyrexian influence entirely. It's the invocation.
0: Rutha. And remember, Rutha is the Prismari orc turns the water in the moat to ice so that they can cross over from here over to where the invocation spell is kind of floating in this sort of orb thing of light. And as they get closer, Quint notes that it feels like a soft, comforting blanket.
1: It sounds very lovely, especially compared to what they've just been through. Now, as they get to the ball of light, they realize it is made up of, and I'm going to quote here, A prismatic confusion of letters, so dazzling, they warded off the red gloom entirely. Sentences looped out, sank back down, and reformed with new clauses and phrases. Single words burst like bubbles on the surface. Quint leaned forward, squinting to try and make out individual words. And a shining tendril coiled around his wrist. He almost jumped in shock. He thought the words would be intangible constructs of pure magic, but... They felt like warm silk threads against his skin. So they realized that this spell is not only responding to them being there, but it's actually alive and it's protecting them from the Phyrexian attention. And to nerd out about Strixhaven for a second, there are five elder dragons. And Natalie, I know how much you love dragons. So can you read this excerpt from that same Legends of Strixhaven article we referenced earlier? Absolutely. I will never pass up a chance to talk about
0: dragons. So, and this is from the article The founder dragons were the first to master the magic of the five opposing combinations. When the humanoid races arose, the dragons were at first angered that mortals would try to harness the wild forces of magic. But they came to realize that only through disciplined study would magic be in safe hands. So, centuries ago, the dragons founded an institution devoted to the study of the five mana dichotomies, and that institution is now known as Strixhaven. The five colleges were based around the magic mastered by each of these dragons.
1: So this invocation, according to Professor Liliana Bess, contains the power of all five of these elder dragons. So Quint very pragmatically says, how do we start out loud? And the spell actually begins to untangle itself for them. The invocation, it turns out is like a five-petaled flower, with each petal being a seamless blend of two colors, meaning the colors of each college. And the words, once jumbled, now spell out clear sentences. So here,
0: Rutha says, Five elder dragons, five parts to the spell. I have a hunch we need to follow the elder dragon's example and read all five parts together. And Zamone notices some conditionals on the outsides of the petals. They have to read it together, and they have to be able to see what they're affecting, so they'll have to go outside to read the spell.
1: Now, they can't really go back the way they came, but Dina has an idea. She and Simone work together to get them outside, while a Phyrexian professor appears from the shadows. Now, Quint uses statues to create a line of defense, but the Phyrexianized professors blow right through it. Quint begs the invocation to shrink down to fit inside his pocket, and it obeys him. Ruther!
0: uses ice spikes and fire to fight back against the professor. Quint sends more statues after him, and finally Dina's plan is ready. She yells, done, and the professor runs for her, landing in her ritual circle, its flesh melting.
1: Then Dina screams. It's taking too much of her energy to hold the spell, and her body begins to writhe with dark green fire, which comes out of her pores and hits the bookcases nearby. Dina, it turns out, is super powerful and she's able to turn the bookcase into a massive tree which makes quick work of the Phyrexian professor and then breaks through the ceiling. Now she's able to do this because Zimone is essentially multiplying with her math magic which is really cool Dina's spell and that's why it's so powerful that Dina can barely contain it and finally completely spent Dina falls to the ground but they have a way outside with this massive tree that they've grown. So from here,
0: the group makes it to the roof, and Killian helps Dina after her explosion of power, which was super cool. And once they're on the roof, Quint removes the invocation from his pocket, and it grows back to its full size. Killian tells the group that they can't be disrupted while casting because there could be any number of unintended consequences. So Rutha covers the hole where the tree had broken through the ceiling in ice, so they can get to work and not be interrupted.
1: They each go to a pedal and begin reading their part of the spell. And Quint is struck by how simple the invocation seems. It describes Strixhaven, like literally. Quint's part, for instance, talks about the ground consistency or how many stones a certain part of campus contains, while Zimone talks about the clouds and so forth, with Killian's part wrapping all of these invocations together. And I love this line, which I think sums it up perfectly. They told Strixhaven what it was, and in that telling, there was no room for Phyrexia.
0: Oh, I love that line, too. And Strixhaven responds, The portals of the Phyrexian invasion begin to blink out of reality. But then, the ice ceiling Rutha had created to keep them from being distracted breaks, and a Phyrexianized professor bursts through. When the professor breaks through the glass ceiling and knocks everyone to the ground, and the professor goes straight for Rutha, criticizing her spells, talking about the flaws in her work.
1: Basically saying all the things that Rutha fears are true about herself. She's always the last to be convinced of her own talent, even though she's extraordinary at magic. And she breaks the incantation and just says, Professor Nassari?
0: Dean Nasari
1: is the Dean
0: of Expression for the Prismari College. And they are very important to Rutha. So the shock of seeing them Phyrexianized is too much for Rutha to handle. Her petal goes dark when she stops reading the invocation and begins to fight Dean Nasari, who throws insult after insult at Rutha.
1: But in her defense... If Ruth doesn't fight Dean Nassari, then the dean would just cut her and all the other students down, which would have stopped the invocation. So I'm not really sure, like what I would have done in that situation or what is the right move. And, and, And,
0: you know, you have a Phyrexian coming for you. You know, it's it's kind of it's instinct. It's instinct. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And then Quint smiles. He gets a sense of excitement that he hasn't felt since he discovered the lost city. He reaches over and grabs Rutha's petal.
0: He obviously can't speak two languages at once, but he is able to pour his magic into Rutha's petal. Here's a quote from the story. The earth was his voice. The seas and suns were his bones. He powered the invocation with his life alone. The pillars of light flared brighter than ever. Even as his life drained into the invocation, he thought, I've never seen anything so magnificent. A shock ripped through his core. Quint gasped. The invocation? No. This light shone from within. Quint screamed as it tore through muscle and bone in savage coils. He tried to reach for his fellow students, his friends. But the invocation roared in response. Dean Nassari was flung from the rooftop. The biblioplex buckled and broke, Crashing down as the light held Quint captive in midair. The stones of Strixhaven's outlying buildings came apart like sugar cubes and tea. The portals crumbled. The invasion tree's branches thrashed as the sky tried to close in on itself. And through it all, Quint burned. The last thing this section says is, The light swallowed Quint whole.
1: Quint sacrificed himself to save Strixhaven. He values knowledge and learning so much. Plus, he's been able to fulfill so many dreams by being here. I just have to say, this was really sad. (laughs) I know. It's brutal because Quint is... Quint was like one of my favorites. Just... It's so sad because you have this person who understands and appreciates what they have, right? In Strixhaven. Yeah. like they really truly see Strixhaven for all the opportunity that it will give to them for all not just for learning but for growing as a person for becoming who Quint wants to be and Quint sacrificed himself for the school so that others could have that same experience and then from here
0: we switch to Liliana's perspective as a search party has just located the missing group of students who went to find the invocation the school has been just obliterated, basically. It's in rubble, in ruin. Liliana moves through the students, instructing them on tending the injured and preparing defenses. But when she hears news of the five missing students we were just with, she runs
1: to see what condition they're in. She quickly sees Dina, Killian, Simone, and Rutha, who are in terrible condition. I mean, broken bones and contusions, to name a few of the ailments. But Killian is moving through the wreckage, and eventually... He locates his father, Dean Imbrose, who is alive.
0: Oh, thank goodness. I got really worried about him when I was reading this story, so I'm glad to hear that he's okay. I mean, I don't think I could have taken another loss. (laughs) In fact, um, Dina is in the worst shape of them all. She's on a stretcher, but in typical Dina fashions, she's still making snarky comments. But I know what you all want to know, right? Where's Quintorius? I'll read this
1: next part from the story. Liliana shook her head, then straightened, eyes widening. Where's Quint? A cloud passed over Dina's face. We don't know. There was a burst of light and he just disappeared. Dead, Liliana thought. Then she frowned as Dina's words echoed in her mind. Dead? Or a spark? Kasmina suggested there was an ember among them, and it's clearly not one of these four. If Quint's spark ignited, he could still be alive. Okay, so as in, Quint may have just sparked. Uh,
0: when would I read this? I was just like beaming, like ear to ear smile over Quintorius, maybe a planeswalker, y'all. Like I was so, I was so excited at this possibility. Like his, we don't know for sure, his, but the possibility of that being a possible spark is just, that's so exciting. I I hope Quinn's a planeswalker.
1: I love Quinn. I do too, because it would mean that his sacrifice was really, truly worth something. Like, yeah. obviously it was, regardless. He saved Struxhaven, But to be rewarded for that sacrifice feels so earned in this story. And I hope it's true too. I was really excited to read that myself.
0: So Liliana looks around her. There are still invasion tree branches puncturing the ground, and the bodies of her Phyrexianized colleagues are around her, and she knows that there are more of those Phyrexianized professors alive, and they're not going to stop coming for Strixhaven. She uses her magic to reach deep underground and raise up an army of skeletons and zombies.
1: This is Liliana's home. It's her sanctuary, her respite. And she thinks she's going to defend it as long as she has breath in her body. So Strixhaven is not lost. Liliana is here to defend it. We have hope. That's the fir- and that's significant because that's
0: the first time that we've seen the invasion tree be pushed back. And that's kind of why we're going into these side stories so that we can kind of have some some positivity in in what is a very very dark and brutal war going on in the multiverse, but it was it was really kind of cool to see Arcabios fight back.
1: And succeed. In, in its own unique Archavius way that only very, Strixhaven can in do. In a very
0: Strixhaven faction.
1: Um, like the statue yelling, no talking in the library I to distract that. a Phyrexian. So on point. So flavorful. Yeah. So charming. And to me, that's what Strixhaven is. Strixhaven is so charming. It's just a magical place where you get to go and learn and be with other people like you. And they all came together to defeat this Phyrexian invasion, which was so amazing to see. And
0: Quintorius might be a planeswalker. I'm so, so
1: excited. Is Quintorius a planeswalker. Oh my gosh. Well, we'll have to see what happens with Quintorius um, as we move further along in this story. As always, you can read this story and so many more at mtgstory.com. If you like this podcast episode today, please give us a review on your favorite podcast platform. We super appreciate it.
0: And in case you didn't know, we're available on most podcast platforms, Spotify, Amazon
1: Music, Apple Podcasts, and more. We appreciate you tuning in today in our journey through Arcavios, A Radiant Heart by Evelyn Tang. More of season four is right around the corner, so we'll see you next time. But until then... Have a magical magical day.